Hello. Hello, hello, hello. This is your friend Seth Harwood reading to you from the novel As Much Protein as an Egg. This is episode seven. Oh boy. <clears throat> have you known, have you heard, have you realized that there's a pandemic going on out there? Yes, you have. And there are major protests around police violence going on. I don't even know where to go from there. There's so many things. Oh boy. Yeah. I remember back in March, I think it was, when I recorded that piece about 9-11, September 11th, 2001. Tuesday was the name of the story. There was a woman that came to my house asking if we wanted work done on it. Nobody comes to the house now except the Amazon driver and the UPS driver and the postman. Listen, did you read in the New York Times Magazine about the way that Amazon is treating its workers at their warehouses during this pandemic? Ah, it's bad. It's bad. There's lots of bad going on. So much bad. So much. Oh, my God. <sighs> Just breathe. Just breathe. George Floyd couldn't breathe. Not for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Oh, it is damn hard to record a podcast with all this stuff going on. Last week, I just took off the whole week. I just laid in my bed every minute that I wasn't needed to be on hand, taking care of the child and homeschooling. I did do some exercise also, and that felt good. Things that felt good. What are you doing now that feels good? I'm watching... A YouTube series of yoga classes with Adrian. She has a dog named Benji. Sometimes she wears a shirt that says, Do what feels good. I've been doing yoga with her 20 to 30 minutes a day, many days. I did a set of 30 day yoga exercises with her. 30 days of yoga hashtag. I did that, <clears throat> and now I'm doing another 30-day yoga series with her, hashtag home, and I'm on day 20 of that. So since the pandemic began, I've done 50 days of yoga with Adrian. It's probably taken me about 60 days to do those 50 days, because I don't do it every day, but damn, that's 50 days of yoga, 50 days of the pandemic that I actually got to do yoga. Oh, Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, George Floyd. Oh, man. Eric Garner was the guy in Staten Island who said, I can't breathe. LeBron and some of the guys wore shirts that said, I can't breathe. Uh, when that happened, I can't remember if he was on the heat or the... 
Cavs. When he was on the Heat and Trayvon Martin was killed, they all wore hoods during pregame warm-ups, hoodies in team unity. I don't know. Are you eager for me to get back to our story of star-crossed lovers, Emily Plinko and Artemis Kellogg? When last we heard from them, they were meeting in a coffee shop in San Francisco, and Emily Plinko had just agreed to eat steamed eggs with Artemis Kellogg. Artemis Kellogg had offered to buy her an egg sandwich, and she had agreed to share it with him, and he got very excited. I suppose now we should pick up chapter 12. Listen, what do you do when you're a writer who can't sit at his desk anymore? Who just the physical act of sitting in a chair in front of a computer for hours and hours is not good to his body? Henry James reached a point where he couldn't write with a pen anymore. So he got a guy that he could dictate his books to. Ernest Hemingway used to write standing up with a view over the bay in Havana, Cuba. Seth Harwood, maybe, will start dictating his writing into a program called Descript. I don't know what Seth Harwood will do. Do you? That sure would make the podcasting element of it easier. Then I wouldn't even have to translate and read it separately. It could be all one shebang. So we'll see. Who knows? Maybe I will evolve. Wouldn't that be nice? In any case, let's get to the part about Emily Plinko and Artemis Kellogg eating eggs in a cafe in San Francisco. Chapter 12. Just then, a high-pitched whistle went off on the other side of the cafe. This had been happening all morning, but our two heroic lovers hadn't noticed. They hadn't been paying attention. The whistle was a barista using the steamer to cook a pitcher of eggs. This was why they cooked eggs at this cafe, colon. They used a steamer originally designed to heat milk for coffee drinks to shoot hot air through the eggs, thereby boiling them until they cooked. It was really a very odd way to make eggs. Do you know what else? It made them pretty tasty. Artemis Kellogg was right about that. I was eating a steamed egg with cheddar cheese on a croissant while Emily and Kellogg talked. I had been eagerly watching all of this happen between them. Why was I eagerly watching them? Because I had created them, and I was sitting right there next to them in the cafe. Listen, on the walls of the cafe were copies of paintings by the minimalist painter Rabo Karabikian, They were for sale for exorbitant prices. One of the baristas had a friend named Elvis who thought up the great idea of downloading paintings from the internet, then sending the files to Shutterfly.com and having them printed onto canvases. Yes, Shutterfly.com can really do this. They too are a website who will send things to your house. In this case, pictures and mouse pads and mugs and anything else you might like to put your pictures on. They could even put a picture on a case for your iPhone. 
The use of this information is not intended to indicate any association with or sponsorship by Starterfly.com. The problem with Elvis's plan about the canvases was that most of the art files he could download from the internet were low resolution, too low to look good on a canvas size 10 by 24 inches, at least. For a while, he tried selling people these low-resolution canvases of famous paintings, thinking it ironic and cool, but nobody wanted them. These look like low-res crap, people said. Then Elvis had the great idea of using the minimalist paintings of Rabo Karabikian, which were so minimal that they didn't even look low-res when they were printed. They were basically just a canvas of one particular color with a line or two of another. This worked out great. These canvases from Shutterfly.com looked just like the paintings by Rabo Karabikian on the internet. They were recognizable. The baristas at the cafe hung the canvases on the walls of the cafe for people to buy. Elvis set the prices of the paintings exorbitantly high. So it goes. Nobody bought the canvases. Even if the prices were lower, nobody would have bought them. They really just went to the cafe to eat eggs, drink coffee, and write. Most of them just wanted to sit with their laptops. Some wanted to do other things on the internet. Here other things should be understood to mean anything that's not writing. Such as Facebook, winking at people on Match.com, or watching stupid videos on YouTube. Artemis Kellogg had never had a profile on Match.com. Not on OkCupid either. Was he missing out? That's a good question. We'll have to see how things turn out with Emily Plinko. Here's another question. Would Artemis Kellogg ever write his screenplay about brown people attacking the World Trade Center on September 11th? Now I had finished my steamed egg with cheddar cheese on a croissant. As it happened, I didn't have any kashi cereal at home, so I had to get my protein from actual eggs. All I wanted was protein. But the cheese and croissant tasted wonderful and buffered my stomach for coffee. They were also loaded with fat. My smartphone would not be happy with this. Back to Kellogg and Emily. They had decided to share a steamed egg sandwich on a bagel. This convinced Kellogg that things were going well. He was back to believing that she had winked at him. When Kellogg ordered their eggs, the barista asked him what kind of bagel he wanted it on. On the counter was a list of all kinds of bagels. They were all crossed out except one, Poppy. I just paused to have a sip of coffee. I do like coffee. I'll take Poppy, Artemis Kellogg said. I guess. What? The barista said. He didn't know this was meant as a joke. In truth, the baristas at this particular cafe didn't share much humor with their customers. They were a surly lot, probably because of the fact that they were drinking a lot of coffee and loading up on caffeine all the time. They also didn't have health insurance. So it goes. Their caffeine had stopped working. They needed to sleep, but they were young and didn't listen to ideas like that. They had parties to go to, parties and work, and creating art. The baristas believed wholeheartedly in creating art. They thought Rabo Karabikian was a hack. 
The name of the, this cafe was Sisyphus. On the wall outside, it had a picture of Sisyphus pushing a big boulder up a hill with his shoulder. In Greek mythology, Sisyphus was a king of Ephira, punished for deceitfulness. He had to spend the rest of his days pushing a big boulder up a hill, only to see it roll back down. Then he had to push it up again, and so on. I found this on wikipedia.com. Sisyphus is actually a brilliant metaphor, often referenced for the process and practice and profession of writing. Have you noticed that we keep getting away from our story of young lovers? This is probably because I was drinking too much coffee there in the Sisyphus Cafe. Not that that's any excuse. Where's your respect for your reader? You're probably asking. I can hear the stars falling away from the review you plan to leave on Amazon.com. Ouch. But even Vonnegut the Great said in his writing he would shun storytelling. All facts would also be given equal weightiness. Nothing would be left out. He wrote it right there in the book Breakfast of Champions. Footnote, Breakfast of Champions, page 215. In case you haven't already realized, Breakfast of Champions is my favorite Vonnegut book. But I like Slaughterhouse-Five a lot, too. Vonnegut said, We must adapt ourselves to the requirements of chaos. Footnote, Ibid. How's that working out for us? Quote, Nothing would be left out, Vonnegut wrote. Let others bring order to chaos. Footnote, Ibid. And so on. Kellogg stood by the counter trying not to look uncomfortable. What he should have done was to go back and sit down with Emily Plinko. He should have told her witty things. The problem was that Kellogg couldn't think of any more witty things. He was wittied out. This was what could happen when you approach people in real life instead of on Match.com. So it goes. Artemis Kellogg waited for his number to be called. Emily Plinko slid her fingers along the top of her closed laptop. She did this to resist going back to Facebook. She wanted to remain in the now. She wanted to be here. Once a week, on Tuesday night, Emily Plinko went to a meditation class near 15th Street to focus on remaining in the now and being here. Anyone in Mankato, Minnesota would have told her that was crazy. They would have said they were always here. It was always now. What else could it be? People in Mankato, Minnesota spent just as much time on Facebook as people in San Francisco. It's the truth. Finally, the barista finished steaming the eggs. He put them on top of a toasted poppy seed bagel and added a slice of cheddar cheese to the top of the eggs. Sure, it would have been nicer for him to melt the cheese, but he didn't. This barista didn't give a goddamn, a good goddamn, about melting cheese. He cared about art. This was the barista who was good friends with Elvis. He also cared about irony, which was an aesthetic that had only recently come to dominate how people in this area of San Francisco, who were called hipsters, dressed. That's why he was wearing those glasses. That's why he had a mustache like Raleigh Fingers. His aesthetic was called irony. It meant he knew he looked like a doofus and wanted it that way. The barista put the bagel with eggs and cheese into a basket, set it down on top of wax paper. He turned around and slid the basket across the counter. He said, 
breakfast of champions. He said this every time he served a steamed egg on a bagel. Listen, are you listening? If you are, send me an email to sethharwood at gmail.com. Don't put any subject line. Just put the word fart into the content of the email. That's all I ask. That will make me very happy. That was the end of chapter 12. Here comes chapter 13. My daughter is upstairs on an iPad with her classmates saying happy birthday to everyone who has a birthday in the summer. Oh, she needs me. She wanted to go upstairs and get candy. Oh, boy. Shit is really coming off the hinges here. Off the tracks. Chapter 13. Kellogg brought the bagel with eggs back to Emily's table and sat down. He was sitting right across from her. This continued to make him nervous. Usually, the more time he spent with a woman, the more he got used to her looks and the calmer he got. Not today. This was because I kept making Emily Plinko more and more beautiful. Artemis Kellogg was getting really nervous now. What he decided to do next was really quite genius. Because he was a writer, having just completed part of his story about the water player, water polo player who got to study with Kurt Vonnegut and feeling very confident in himself as a result, he decided to say his writerly ideas out loud to Emily Plinko. He would tell her a story. As all writers know, their ideas for stories usually show them to be smarter, cooler, and all-around better people than they actually are. This was another reason that groupies didn't flock to readings to have sex with writers anymore. Word had gotten out that meeting an actual writer in person was often a disappointment. They were always better and more interesting on the page. I have an idea for a story, Artemis Kellogg said. Do you mind if I tell it to you? Emily Plinko was immediately impressed. Knowing they were in the presence of a writer could have this effect on women who were created by writers. <sighs> she sat back and breathed in a comforting breath, which was something she had learned how to do in her meditation class. Suddenly, Emily Plinko became taller and even more beautiful. I swear to you, I was sitting right across the cafe from them and I saw it happen. If I hadn't seen it, I never would have believed it either. Kellogg marched on. He was like a shark, he told himself. Sharks kept moving. He had gotten an extra plate. Now he took half of the bagel and put it onto a plate for himself. He pushed the basket with the other half of bagel across the table to Emily. He had gotten knives and forks for the both of them. Emily Plinko's laptop was no longer on the table. She had put it into her bag while Kellogg was standing at the counter. Here is one other thing that Kellogg had done at the counter. He had gotten himself some more coffee. Caffeine and gurgles be damned! He was going to drink more coffee! So am I. That feels like a good place to stop for today. We're right at about 20 minutes of content. I will make sure to pick up next week or thereabouts 
when Artemis Kellogg starts telling Emily Plinko about his idea for the September 11th screenplay and what it showed about war and terror, the most experiences of a generation, he thought. Up until now, in 2020, when Kobe Bryant died, pandemic happened, and racial inequality took over the world of the United States. Do you know that other countries are protesting because of the way we treat black people in our country? They're like, Americans, hello, we're protesting. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you my biggest fear, and then I'm going to disappear for the day. My biggest fear is we're not going to be able to have a good, valid election in November. Truth be told, we've screwed up a couple of elections already, and we just kind of brush it under the rug. We uh, we just kind of keep it moving, keep it moving. There's nothing to see here. The Electoral College is doing a good job. Oh, We just kind of keep it moving. So we did that in 2000. We did that in 2016. You know, pretty much all the times where Obama didn't win. Well... Anyway, uh, this year we got the pandemic. We got problems with absentee voting. We got all kinds of stuff. Oh, my God. I'm worried about this election in November. And you, fellow listener, dear listener, I thank you for listening. And I will get back to you with more content soon. Thank you for being here for Chapter 12 and part of Chapter 13. Rock on. Keep it locked, popping, rocking, don't stop, popping, rocking, don't stop. You know, in the old days of when I was doing the Jack Palms podcast, I was in a closet in Berkeley. I think basically I got started with the concept that like nobody was listening anyway, so I would just sort of wild out on that thing, get that whole, this is your boy, Seth Harwood voice going, because I was just alone in a closet. Maybe I'm reaching that point now with this podcast. Maybe I'm reaching the point where I get a little er, crazy and maybe that works. I don't know. What do I know? I know that I have two very different drafts of as much protein as an egg. One of them is much shorter than the other. And I think there's a perfect draft that lies somewhere between the two of them. And I don't really want to put in the work to find out what that looks like, which one it is. But I'm figuring it out slowly but surely, and I hope you're doing well, and I hope I get it all figured out, and you get it all figured out, and we both continue to be able to feed our families and put food in their mouths and on the table, and please don't think that Patreon is a necessary requirement for me to feed the family. (sighs) Thank you very much. I appreciate you and hope you're doing well. Take care. Bye.